Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, the member of Congress that I am most in touch with these days and working most closely with is our guest. And I'll tell you up front, the reason for that is we are at several historical moments, but one historical moment is the issue of reparations in H.R. 40. We expect in in the not too distant future, maybe even before November 3rd, but definitely before the end of 2020, there will be a vote on H.R. 40 in the House. There are almost 150 co-sponsors, and my guest has taken the baton. The baton was passed to her from the Honorable John Conyers, who introduced that bill for 40 years, at least, I believe. And she has taken that baton, and we have been working more uh, tirelessly than ever, getting co-sponsors, getting groups, getting everyone involved. And so she and I are working together very, very closely on that, and I am at her service. Um, but she is a, I would say, a legacy member of the Congressional Black Caucus. And she has been a member of the Congressional Black Caucus for years and has always championed her community back home in Texas. We want to talk about the historic moment of an African-American woman on the ticket, uh, the Democratic nominee for vice president. That would be Kamala Harris. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee joins us here once again on Make It Plain. Congresswoman, how are you? Well, if it is a question of whether or not I think that the battle is still afoot, uh, then I'm on the battlefield uh, because uh, there is so much going on in our life and our lives today, Reverend, that it is important to not cease. And I am unceasing. Sometimes you get tired. Uh, But what I would say is that uh, only in certain instances do I claim Fannie Lou Hamer and say I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it is in the vein of her message, which was she's not tired, but she's sick and tired of being sick and tired of injustices. 
And so I would say that we have a moment in history uh, to get all of the pieces together. Uh, the momentum of this uh, great uh, nomination, uh, the movement of Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Movement, the combination of over 200 civil rights organizations that have come together to help us uh, under HR 40, the Commission to Study and Develop Preparation Proposals, uh, the families who are demanding justice around uh, Ahmed Arbery, Brother Brooks, Tamir Rice, who, by the way, has not yet received an investigation by the Justice Department. His incident, his tragic murder uh, was in 2014. Remind everybody, he was a 12-year-old that had a BB gun, 12-year-old. Uh, of course, Brianna Taylor, that we are grateful for Oprah Winfrey's and other influencers' voices to be heard. Billboards are now all over the city to be able to emphasize that justice has not yet been done. And then, of course, uh, my beloved constituent, who, of course, lived in Ilhan Omar's district, uh, beloved constituent George Floyd, his family grew up in CUNY Homes and Jack Yates High School. Just a few days ago, uh, those who played football with George, Big Floyd, uh, did a marvelous thing, set up uh, a goal of empowerment for young people, getting people out to vote in his name. Of course, he played football and basketball. You know, you never know. Uh, I wonder what any of that have mattered to the officer who with reckless abandonment, intent and maliciousness uh, just decided to kill him on that day. So until we render justice and until we continue to have voices that are not mine, meaning uh, they don't come from my heritage. And truly when America rises up to what the founding fathers, although they were imperfect, the language they wrote uh, was a perfect language because it said that they have organized to create a more perfect union from what they came from, uh, where they were discriminated against on the basis of religion uh, and that their rights, even under uh, European rule, uh, their rights were uh, much limited. In fact, discrimination was rampant in Europe. Uh, it was a caste or caste system, or it was a system, economic system. You were in or you were out, and they wanted to come to a place where we could have opportunities. So we are still fighting for that. And as a senior member of the Judiciary Committee, Reverend, that is something I constantly do. I'm fighting here in the district. I just want to end by saying, you know, we are still a hot spot. Uh, in Texas, along with California and Florida. Um, and uh, in the last 24 hours, Florida had the most deadliest day. Uh, we still are upwards of 20% positive rate here in the state of Texas. Uh, California, I think, went to 600,000 cases. Um, we're in the nation approaching 6 million cases uh, and uh, approaching 170,000 dead. I think it's about 168,000, every time I say that number, chills uh, run up my spine and primarily because uh, the family of Americans, they said there's probably not one American because of the numbers and we don't understand the magnitude of these numbers that can say they've not been impacted by COVID-19 in some way. But just think of the families and extended families of the 168,000. I mean, you can include uh, relatives and uh, immediate family, but to include co-workers and neighbors uh, who this person meant something to. And I don't know how the government, uh, the administration, the White House can even sleep at night uh, when we have this high numbers. And of course, the Congressional Black Caucus, and I participated with that on the health task force to focus on waking the government up about the harsh impact on Black people, on African-Americans, and then Latinx, both in terms of infection and in terms of deaths. So we're still working. Of course, of course. Um, how do you feel about this ticket? How does it feel to have a Black woman finally on a major party ticket? Well, I've spoken this week, and I think I will say a little bit of how I characterize it this week. 
First of all, I think people should know the history of black women, of course, um, in this horrific history of ours that we are trying to correct, uh, to establish a new pathway. Uh, the traders stopped trading gold and spice to trade slaves. And slaves became the economic engine of this nation and Europe. But in the course of that structure, the woman was the binding force of making a family. Obviously, uh, there was no respect for slave families. Uh, there was no respect for us uh, when the constitution was written. We were not even counted as a person. But if you look at the narratives, uh, you can see slave women holding on to children, holding on to little boys, trying to make sure that they were not separated, um, taking care of home when they sold the daddy or the husband or the, or the brother or the mainstay of the family or the grandfather or the matriarch, uh, the patriarch rather. That woman became that holder of the burden, the translator of the legacy. Um, I remember one narrative where uh, the woman, the slave woman sent a message uh, to her husband, don't come, they're selling us. I'm trying to keep them from selling a 13 year old boy and taking her daughter. I don't know if people know the brutality of slavery, but we, the, the woman felt the burden because obviously we are uh, tending to be the glue of a family. Uh, we have given birth to these children. They're our family, they're not slaves to us. And so I think what has happened with this unique selection, but certainly not without a basis, meaning black women have been experienced and competent and ready to do this for centuries, if you will. But in any event, it is an affirmation of black women counting and black women's genius and black women's experience and black women's burden because our burden didn't end with slavery. It traveled all the way through in the broken 1887 compromise, uh, the lynching of 4,000, including women, the horrors of Jim Crowism and the life of discrimination in the 20th century that included economic and social and health and, ec and educational, uh, if you will, discrimination. Black women kept families together. Black women sent boys off to war. Uh, black women um, sent, during mass incarceration, young men off to prison. Black women held families together. Black women became educated. They became astronauts, business women, doctors, professors, boxers, Olympians. Unbelievable. And we have never been president or never been a vice president. Senator Harris, who comes with her own genius, her own expertise, her own oneness, um, standing uh, with her sister and her family in Oakland, California, integrating uh, schools, uh, being the first district attorney in San Francisco, the first attorney general, happened to be an African-American woman, Southeastern Southeastern heritage, Southeastern Asian heritage, and someone who had run a statewide race and won, uh, and as well presided over a $700 million budget, 4,800 uh, staff, joined a unity ticket of a man that respects her and says, I want everybody to hear this. Uh, Sheila Jackson Lee didn't say it. Joe Biden said it to his vice presidential pick. I want you to be the last voice in the room so that her status is no less than the status he had with President Barack Obama uh, and uh, probably more than the status of many VPs through the ages. So my point that I made earlier this week was that my friend Kamala Harris went to the mountaintop and she took black women with her. Mm, mm. And I believe that we are moving forward for the greater good. Amen. 
isn't an interesting, don't you find it interesting <laughs> that, and again, we work, you and I work together every day in, in the reparations movement. Don't you find it interesting that the detractors within our movement, those who say that um, the vestiges don't matter and we should only think of those who can prove a direct lineage from slavery in America, are the same people. There's some overlap between them and the people who say Kamala's not really an African-American woman because she's from Jamaica. So don't you find that interesting? And isn't this an opportunity to kill a couple of birds with one stone? Well, let me just say this. Uh, my focus is, of course, on the passage of H.R. 40. In the language of that document, the four corners of that document is an appropriate apology and acknowledgement of the burden of slavery on Black people. And then it goes on to say it was a government action. And so let me say that Senator Harris is a Black American. Uh, she is an American born in Oakland, California. And she is the perfect example of the legacy of slavery, wherever it might have been. But more importantly, she is an example of someone treated with discrimination because of the color of her skin and because of her being called and categorized in this nation as a black person, a black American. And of course, I always say and remind people of her Southeast Asian heritage as she does, but it is important to note that here she has been described and has taken the um, position if she stands as a black woman, who am I uh, to in any way counter that? And so we have a black woman on the ticket. We look forward to legislation that deals with the treatment of black people. And we will stand without fear of mm -hmm. anyone that even tries to describe and use any words like anchor or non-citizen and be able to, with legal arguments, profoundly say that she is everything that we had hoped and dreamed for. She is a Black woman proud of her heritage, and I must say, a proud graduate of Howard University. Now you go, girl, and as well, the, all the HBCUs, I don't want to see one of them skipping past voting, and I want them to bring 10 HBCUers and Thurgood Marshall schools, those are the state black schools, with them. Amen. That's a lot of power. Amen. And she's a divine nine, a member of the divine nine. <laughs> um, she's a member there. That's right. And I just learned, I didn't realize that she's a link. That's a whole other army. <laughs> uh, the armies are far and wide. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and it is based upon our membership that we are saying uh, that the membership, they don't have to work, work and worry about the organizations because they stand separate, as you well know, as 501c3s. As a lawyer, I have to say that. Amen. So the membership That's right. is free. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, we're still fighting for freedom, but you're free to do as you desire in selecting your presidential team, Biden <laughs> and Harris, and to get out and vote. Amen, amen. The Democratic National uh, Convention taking place with the ticket, with the first ever virtual convention. Um, are you feeling confident? Do, do you feel confident about winning the White House and for that matter, the Senate? I think we're pretty certain to hold the House but you feeling confident about the White House and the Senate? I'm feeling confident of the two people that will head our ticket. I don't think we could have gotten in this era, in this time, a better combination of a man that has entrenched himself in working class values, that calls himself Joe, uh, talks about his dad and his family members 
uh, who had hard times themselves, experiencing personal crisis and tragedy in his own life, uh, having a woman of uh, great status, Dr. Jill, stand along his side, and then, of course, to select uh, a Black woman who has had her own travails, uh, recently losing her mother in the last years to the horrors of cancer, uh, having her sister by her side, feeling the pain uh, that uh, women feel as it relates to being heads of households and trying to make ends meet in her legislative career. She's worked on these issues of empowering women. So we have a ticket that is up to us. And this convention, I believe, they will be shocked. It is probably going to be the most widely participated convention. We won't have thousands, we'll have millions because people are wanting a direct change. They want a seismic movement. They wanna do what John Robert Lewis told us to do in his op-ed that came out on the day of his funeral. They wants, he wants, as he said, that he is hopeful. And so this convention is going to be full of hope that we're gonna build back better. And if you don't wanna miss being part of that energy and that commitment, you need to be one of those that'll say millions came on this convention, making a commitment wherever they are to get out the vote legally to vote legally. Because for some reason, it seems that when we have diverse groups and we're empowering women and empowering young people, all of a sudden there's something illegal about it. The only thing illegal that I'm facing is voter suppression by those who don't want us to vote. A voter suppression by this administration who is uh, in essence imploding the postal service. Reverend, were you aware and you got those pictures as I did of picking up post office boxes in Portland, Oregon, putting them on a truck. Yeah, yeah. Outrageous. Yep. No yep. one gives an explanation. All of a sudden, putting on postal boxes, and I think Oregon has been voting by mail for years. Mm -hmm. So I am confident that we can get to the finish line if we work like we've never worked before, if we register to vote. Most jurisdictions, the registration period is still on. Some states even have same-day registration, I believe. And so we should not let up until the last vote is counted. We will have mail ballots. We'll have absentee ballots in some jurisdiction. And we will have early vote voting. And yes, there will be people who vote on election day. Our job is to make sure that each aspect of voting is done legally and that we push back like we've never done before against the oppressive actions that are coming toward this campaign and that the Department of Justice be held accountable if their civil rights division doesn't stand on the side of people, that when they call for real voting infractions being denied to vote, that the civil rights division wakes up and does it. Frankly, I believe that division needs an entire overhaul, but they can't take a check like they're doing of taxpayer dollars and not rise to the occasion of providing the kind of counsel and coverage to states that are saying their voters are being denied. Their machines are broken. Uh, they don't have workers. The doors are closing in the voting place. All of that has to be reviewed and supervised by the Civil Rights Division of the voting section of the Civil Rights Division. I also hope that we might be able to pass the Voting Enhancement Act, but Right now, we have to work with the tools that are given us. And the tools that are given us is that we're going to push uh, legal registration, legal voting, and we're going to provide people the right to vote by mail and that their ballot will be counted. And I think it is important, as I have noted, just about 10 days ago, the Bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee affirmed, affirmed with no hesitation the complete report of the 2016 election, there was no doubt that Russians interfered with that election for one candidate, and that was Donald J. Trump. And so I have absolutely no, no intent to be fooled and turned around by those Russians who were indicted, by the way, by the prosecutors under Director Mueller. I have no intent to go that journey again or to have that story again, it is imperative 
that we in the Congress and in the House are eagle eye on the intelligence community's presentation to us that there's something going on. I will not be silent through the election. One word of the conspiracy working and being uh, in the midst of bots uh, and social media uh, instigating, the one word coming from my constituents and I will be on the microphone, the megaphone, so the nation can hear, stop, there's something going on with our elections. And we will have the vetting of election officers and counters and everybody else because your vote is your voice and your voice, your voice is your vote. We say that again, your vote is your voice and your voice is your vote. And the power of your voice is your vote. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee on this ticket. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, of course, the Democratic National Convention. We always appreciate her. Folks, stay tuned. As I have said, there is movement and action daily around H.R. 40, the bill, the remedy bill for reparations. And she is our leader in that regard. So we're going to have a black woman making history on the ticket. And then we're going to have a black woman making history for getting H.R. 40 passed the first reparations bill in the history of the United States. And we appreciate her, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. And, and before I end and say bye bye, let me say that I think this convention that is going to bring together people from all walks of life, all of our caucuses, we represent from Native Americans uh, to uh, Latinx, uh, women, uh, the Black Caucus, the LGBTQ, um, Environmental Caucus, uh, the Military Caucus, as I said, Indigenous people, Native Americans. Um, we love being the big tent. And this, is a be, this will be our convention, the faith community. Um, we're not turning anyone around. Republicans, come on in. Independents, come on in. This is going to be a celebratory convention but it's gonna be one with resolve and resilience. Uh, and frankly, uh, it's going to be black women, uh, women of color taken to that mountaintop and bringing everybody on to really help change America. When we change America, we change it not for ourselves, but for our children, our children uh, and our grandchildren, children's children, our grandchildren and all the people uh, that have been suffering. And we're gonna turn the corner on COVID-19 and we're gonna do it with a convention that will then turn into being a new government for this nation. But we can't get it, Reverend, without work. Thank you so very much for having me. Uh, and it's been a pleasure to be with you. We love Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, everyone. We do indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, Pleasure to have with us also as we discuss this Democratic National Convention this week from Alabama and one who really is inheriting the work of John Lewis in Selma. And she's always been a big part of the movement in Selma, the celebrations in Selma, and um, of late has even shepherded um, John Lewis's annual visits to Selma, working very closely with the community herself and all the other entities involved to help make Selma a success every year. And actually, the only historical civil rights event that is commemorated annually, um, and we have her to thank for the important role she has played in that our dear friend, Congresswoman Terry Sewell. Congresswoman Sewell, how are you? I am hanging in there, Mark. Everything's great. That's good. That's good. And excited about this convention, I take it. I am. I'm very excited about this convention. Um, I think that uh, Joe Biden has shown his good judgment in making his first major decision as a presidential candidate in choosing Senator Kamala Harris. Of course, he had a deep bench, wonderful uh, women, especially African-American women to choose from. And uh, all of them uh, are incredibly talented 
uh, and could do the job. Um, but, you know, Kamala uh, is his choice. And, you know, I think that as a highest ranking African-American woman, um, as a U.S. Senator, uh, she has really shown herself to fight for the voiceless and to fight for, um, you know, the common man. So I'm really excited about her choice. And more importantly, this is day one of the convention. So I'm really excited about the Democratic National Convention going on. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to participating later today in the Democratic uh, National Convention Women's Caucus. So the Democratic Women's Caucus event mm -hmm. with uh, Lottie Shackelford. So I'm looking forward to that. No, and, and I know that will be um, exciting. I understand you and your mother were in the car when you heard about the announcement of Kamala Harris for vice president. Tell us what happened. Um, I nearly swerved off the road. Uh, we were visiting my mom's uh, sister in Lowndes County, Alabama. So we were actually on Highway 80, that infamous uh, journey from Selma to Montgomery. We were headed back to Selma. And when we heard on the radio uh, the announcement on uh, Cirrus on C CNN, um, my mom, who is a life member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, literally started crying. Um, mm -hmm. I think that her emotions were so full as an African-American woman herself in politics. My mom has always been my role model. She was actually the first African-American woman to sit on the city council in Selma. Uh, so she's a bit of a trailblazer herself. Um, but the fact that we have an African-American woman on the ticket, uh, that she's lived to see an African-American president and now an African-American woman uh, vice presidential candidate, she was just overjoyed aside from the fact that she is a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority and has, has been a lifetime member. She's one of those golden sorors. Uh, actually, she's headed towards platinum. She's been 50 years plus in the sorority. Um, so we're excited about that. You know, I think that it's not just about uh, the sisterhood because it's really more about the divine nine. You, we know how important uh, the African-American, to African-Americans, uh, the fraternities and sororities are working together, uh, hand in glove. They will be a formidable, um, uh, you know, coalition to get out the vote. Right. And, and, and the Divine Nine, our HBCUs. Now, wait a minute, Congresswoman, your mother's an AK. Did you pledge? Are you Absol Absolutely. You know, I'm an Alpha Kappa. I mean, I may be wearing red, but it, it okay. really is uh, intensified pink is what you're looking at. In fact, I'm a, I'm a silver soror. I've been 25 years plus in Alpha Kappa Alpha. And when I arrived at my college, they didn't have a chapter. But needless to say, when I left my college, they had a chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Um, I went to Princeton University and I um, was uh, I helped charter the first chapter. Uh, it was a city chapter and really excited about that. So yes, I am. But you know, at the end of the day, this is really about the American people. It's about choosing someone who will be ready day one to take over the presidency. And it's about restoring dignity. As Joe Biden says, we really are trying to redeem the soul of this nation. When I think of how this president has really uh, run our country into the ground, literally. What's at stake on the ballot is not only our livelihoods when we think about the economic crisis that we're in now caused by a public health crisis, but we're also on the ballot is our very lives as African-Americans are dying disproportionately from COVID-19. And of course, what is also on our ballot is our democracy, saving our democracy. And nothing was more sacrosanct to John Lewis uh, than the right to vote. Uh, he famously said that it was the most powerful nonviolent tool in our democracy. And our vote is at stake as this president uh, is trying to undermine the, the U.S. Postal Service uh, and at every turn is trying to invalidate uh, vote by mail. So we really have our work cut out, but we have an amazing ticket in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, you, and I noticed you've been tweeting a lot about the Postal Service you know, COVID is one thing, mail-in ballots are one thing, but how many people, I mean, so many people today get their prescriptions through the mail, Congresswoman. So, I mean, how many people are, are endangered, who you talk about life and death, like right now at this very moment, um, I heard um, General Russell Honore say on television, his prescriptions as a senior citizen have not arrived. So now he has to go to the drugstore and hope 
he can buy them or pay for them out of pocket or whatever. But the, the mail service itself, what Trump is doing to that, is endangering people's lives right now. Absolutely. You know that uh, the VA system sends all of its medicine through the mail. So what we are really, it's not just our senior citizens at risk, but it's also our veterans at risk and not receiving their medicines. Likewise, you know, um, given this pandemic, more and more of us are being safer at home or ordering things. So the delivery service has been disrupted as well. And so um, I look forward, Nancy Pelosi has announced, uh, we had a caucus call this morning, that we're coming back from our August recess because uh, House Democrats understand that we must do something now uh, to shore up, to provide resources uh, to the U.S. Postal Service so that they can uh, meet the needs of the American people. And that's everyday needs of the American people as well as ballots. And this obviously, in terms of the ballots, is the latest form of voter suppression. You know, down through the years, as always, been we have to give it to our enemies they can be very creative when it comes to, to voter suppression whether <laughs> gerrymandering or, or counting jelly beans in a jar now they're just going to shut down the mail can you That's imagine what john lewis would have said about what's happening to the postal service absolutely you know it's as if old battles have become new again uh, while we no longer have to pass a literacy test in order to uh, register to vote, there are modern day forms of voter suppression, uh, gerrymandering, purging of rolls, uh, uh, closing down polling stations without adequate notice. And all of that really stems from the fact that the Shelby versus Holder decision, the Supreme Court gutted the preclearance uh, uh, provisions and enforceability provisions of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, and in nullifying that, they they gave a challenge to Congress to order to fully restore the protections of the Voting Rights Act. We had to come up with a modern day formula to determine which states have had a history of voter discrimination such that they needed to have every voting law pre-cleared by Congress. Um, and so, look, if I had my druthers, I think voting is so important that Every state should have to go through the rigors of federal oversight in changing their voting laws. But we know that that is quite expensive and it's not within the political will of the Republican Party. But you and I both know that voting rights used to not be a partisan uh, issue. It used to be pretty nonpartisan. In fact, the Voting Rights Act was fully restored, it was authorized, fully authorized for 25 years back in 2006 under George W. Bush. Right. But I think that our Republican um, you know, colleagues have realized that they can actually change elections by stopping certain people from voting. Yeah, uh, and and making sure that not enough people are voting. I know the speaker even said it appears that the president is afraid of the American people and voting, you know, so that's why you want to minimize. So she has called you all back in um, to session. Is that correct? She has to take up a bill that would provide more additional resources, money to the United States Postal Service. You know, we currently have a postmaster general who has never, doesn't know anything about the Postal Service. He's uh, a longtime uh, friend and donor, a million dollar donor to Donald Trump. And he's come in and has uh, gotten rid of overtime. And you and I both know that these are frontline essential workers, our postal delivery men and women who literally working around the clock to make sure, as you said, that our medicine, that our food, um, so many people are dependent upon um, their everyday needs uh, being delivered given this COVID uh, pandemic. So we're gonna take up a bill. Uh, there's gonna be a series of hearings um, uh, that the oversight committee will undertake, but we're gonna take up a bill and it looks like we're gonna go back on, on, on Saturday to vote on that bill. Um, I'm not sure what Mitch McConnell will do. Uh, he may do what he has done with 275 other pieces of bipartisan legislation that the House Democrats have passed, including, by the way, the John Robert Lewis Voting Rights Act of 2020, which would help fully restore the Voting Rights Act. Mitch McConnell has uh, literally, and the Senate, uh, and the, the Republicans generally, have shown that they don't really care about the American public. And for the president to think that he can 
really solve anything with these executive orders, which were pretty meaningless, um, if you think about it. I mean, you can only get uh, pandemic uh, insurance if you're an extra money, if your state actually annies up one fourth of it. Um, so I, I think that uh, what the American people desperately need is for uh, us to act as a Congress. And if the president won't act and the Republicans won't act, we House Democrats will do our part. You know, we passed uh, three months ago, three months ago, the HEROES Act uh, to give another round of stimulus checks, to give more money for election protection, to give an election assistance as well, to give more money for nutritional assistance. Uh, so many schools are starting back without having adequate PPE. Um, and our HEROES Act would have fully funded all of that. Um, but, uh, you know, the Republicans uh, really in the White House refused to um, act. And so the consequences is that we're going to go back now and pass a bill specifically targeted at funding the U.S. Postal Service and trying to make sure that um, that all of the shenanigans that this White House is trying to do won't uh, occur for this election. You mentioned the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Is there any indication of late that Mitch McConnell is going to do anything at all with that bill? No, there isn't. Uh, if I, you know, what really hurt my heart is to listen to uh, Mitch McConnell at one of the honoring ceremonies in, as John Lewis lay in state in the United States Capitol. He is a leader of the Republican Party and as the, uh, um, as the president of the Senate um, gave remarks and he gave such accolades about John, talked about his character and his values. But you know, all of that rings hollow if you're not willing to put your money where your mouth is and um, actually pass legislation uh, that would fully restore the Voting Rights Act, the legacy if, you, if we want to honor the legacy of John Lewis, uh, then we will honor his life's work, which was voting rights. And we, the people, will do what we can in every election to vote, uh, that whether it's federal, state, or local. And we as legislators can do our part, federal legislators, and pass a bill that would fully restore the Voting Rights Act of 19, 1965. Indeed, indeed. Back to this convention this week, the Democratic National Convention, are you confident that this convention is going uh, to inspire most of America to get fully behind this Biden-Harris ticket? I do. You know, I participated in the events on Sunday night. It was uh, the Black Caucus that has a series of events, the Democratic uh, Black Caucus. And on Sunday, it was um, uh, it was a, a ceremony of faith where they had uh, amazing preachers like Otis Moss and others. And there were thousands upon thousands of people who participated in just that event, which was a Black uh, Caucus event, uh, paying tribute to um, to Jesse Jackson, as well as to, to talk about the importance of our faith. Um, and having uh, such a dynamic turnout uh, just for that event, I know that we are highly motivated. Uh, we know that we must vote like our lives depend on it because it does. And so I look forward to the various events. Um, um, unfortunately, the only thing that will be on live streamed on uh, national television will be the nine o'clock to 11 o'clock hour, or if you're central time, the eight to 10 o'clock hour. Um, but everything will be um, on our website, the, the Democratic National Convention uh, website um, on various platforms. Uh, we're encouraging people to register for various events. I know I'm looking forward to being a delegate this year, uh, as well as my mother. So uh, you'll be seeing the Sewell ladies uh, wear our Biden-Harris t-shirts. Be on the lookout for our tweets on my campaign page um, as we show off um, our, uh, our, our pledge, our dedication to the Biden-Harris team by wearing our shirts and, and really getting into the festive mode. This is obviously unprecedented times we're living in, which is requiring us to do things unprecedentedly, including holding this... Uh, this democratic convention, all of our conventions. And so, you know, I think that I know that Joe Biden is modeling the behavior that he wants us to, to have. He wants us to be safer at home. 
he knows that. And he also knows that, um, that African-Americans and a lot of uh, vulnerable communities are, uh, are disproportionately represented in COVID-19 in the cases and in the deaths. And so he is trying to be the responsible adult in the room by uh, wearing his mask, as you see him in all the public events, um, as well as encouraging us to um, stay at home, but stay engaged. Um, so we're gonna we're doing it the old-fashioned way. We're phone banking, calling up folks. We're uh, uh, now doing it um, uh, Zoom virtual watch parties and the like. So I'm getting excited about this, and I know that as an, a delegate from Alabama, my mom and I are already with our schedule of Zoom events that we're going to participate in. That's great. That's great. Lastly, um, the selection of Kamala Harris, isn't that also a very timely acknowledgement of the historical role that black women have always played as the backbone of the Democratic Party? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I know that firsthand uh, that African-American women can make a difference we turned a ruby red state of Alabama blue in the election of Senator Doug Jones. It was the African-American women's vote, 98%, and the African-American men vote, 95%, that really catapulted him to victory. And so I think that it is truly um, timely that uh, Joe Biden would choose a woman, but not only a woman, but an African-American woman, highly qualified. Let's be clear, Mark, um, Kamala could be at the top of the ticket. <laughs> she is ready day one to, um, to lead. She has shown herself to be fully capable uh, in both foreign policy, sits on the Senate Intel Committee. I sit on the House Intel Committee. We've uh, done numerous uh, joint things together uh, in that front. She's also uh, well qualified uh, to fight for justice. She's shown herself to be an advocate on behalf of the least of these and the voiceless. And I know that she will do that in her role as a vice president. And so, you know, I think that it is uh, truly timely that the Democratic Party acknowledges uh, the role of the African-American women as the most reliable voting bloc for the Democratic Party. And so um, this is uh, not only is uh, Kamala uh, qualified regardless of race and gender, but it's a sweet icing on the cake that we uh, get uh, such an acknowledgement of our, of our strength and that voting block for the Democratic Party. Of course, since you mentioned J Doug Jones in your own home state, how's it looking for him? Can we keep him in office? We can if we go out that same coalition that that actually put him over the top the first time, and that's uh, he's going to have to continue to siphon off independents and those suburban white women who are Republican voters normally. Um, and I think he can. I mean, look, I think that Donald Trump has only doubled down in his offense uh, in being both both racism and misogynistic. He has doubled down in his efforts uh, to be, um, you know, to to not deserve to get the the vote from the from the um, from, from white women, suburban women. Um, so much is at stake on this election, and I believe that Doug Jones will pull it out as he's pulled it out before. Congresswoman Terry Sewell, thank you for speaking with us today. Congratulations uh, on the convention and you and your mom being uh, delegates. Um, and thank you for your faithfulness, we all know, to John Lewis. Uh, you were a very faithful friend to him and his legacy. And I know personally how much he adored you. So um, well, we all have to keep up his memory, right? We've got to do what we can. I think that uh, for me, growing up in Selma, Alabama and a life member of Brown Chapel AME Church, I've seen uh, him time and time again to grow up and have as your personal hero, um, uh, your colleague. I mean, only in America could a little black girl uh, dream uh, of of, uh, of of being in office. And one day, I couldn't have in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would be the first African-American woman to uh, represent the state of Alabama in Congress. And I know it's because of John Lewis and Amelia Boynton and all of those foot soldiers that dared, had the audacity uh, to make this nation live up to its ideals. It's up to all of us. Mark, and I know you're going to do your part. I want all of us to do our part to continue John's legacy, 
that's remembering to vote in every election, up and down the ballot. Um, it is critically important that we vote in every election, federal, state, and local. And nothing is more critical at this time than voting in the presidential election and voting for the Biden-Harris ticket. It will be a ticket, it's a dream ticket, and it will be the ticket that will help restore not only the soul of America, but the dignity, uh, integrity, exceptionalism that is America. Indeed. Congresswoman Terry Sue, we thank you, okay? Thank you. Thank you. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.